This is episode 587 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Friday, February 8th, 2019. I am your host, Mark Cusinez, and today I'm going to be talking about a handful of indie games and a few movies, and that is it. And I'm going to get right to it, starting with Glass Masquerade, which is a traditional puzzle game in the sense that you are taking a bunch of pieces and putting them together. And what makes Glass Masquerade stand out is the art. It has this art deco stained glass window aesthetic that is very, very, very pretty. I love the look of this game, but that is pretty much where my love for this game ends. It's not bad. You know, it's hard to screw up a puzzle game like this, but it's also hard to make a puzzle game like this really stand out. And part of my problem with this game, it came out on PC back in 2016 and is now making its way to consoles. I'm playing it on Xbox One, where it launched today on the 8th. came out on the 6th on PlayStation, and it's coming out later on the Switch, I think around the 20th or so of this month. And one of the things that sucks about the console edition is that it is priced at $12, at least on Xbox One. I'm assuming it's the same price on the other consoles. There is a launch discount of 20% off for seven days. But even so, it's only $5, I believe, on PC. But uh, at the same time, it's been out on PC for much longer, which means, of course, it'll probably be cheaper. And there's a sequel for it that's already out on PC. But what makes this price difference even worse is that it's currently on sale as well on PC, through I think the 11th for a buck 24, so you can get it for practically nothing on PC at the moment on Steam at least. And what makes that even more worse is that I imagine playing a game like this on PC would be much better. Just using a mouse for moving the pieces around and everything would feel much more fluid and responsive. Using the analog stick was floaty and if i held the analog stick in a direction for too long then the control uh the the piece would just move on its own in that direction it would just keep going even after i let go of the stick which was frustrating another frustrating part about the game that would exist on all platforms is that the pieces are different sizes when they are set in the puzzle area when they're set in the puzzle's place when you lock them in place they are smaller so when you are going around trying to figure out where a piece might go it may look like it's a little off and in those cases it's in your best interest to just give it a go uh, which i think you would just instinctively do You'd, you'd figure well this is pretty close so it might be right but the fact that I thought a piece looked pretty close so often and it ended up being right, just it made me a little annoyed with the whole experience because it made me second guess myself way more often than I would have liked. And it was just a little frustrating because there are times where you have these really tiny slivers of a piece and it looks like they'll they should fit and then you you, you give it a, a go and it works and then there are times where 
there is a sliver on the piece, but because the the puzzle itself, when you have pieces around and it's a little bit smaller, you can't quite see that there is room for that sliver in between these other pieces. So it looks like it almost can fit, but this thing that is hanging off a piece will not fit there because there's not room for it. But when you try and place it, it fits, and you just have to sit back and say, okay, whatever you say. Uh, one nice thing about the puzzles, though, is that when you start off any puzzle, there are 25 in the game, uh, and they're all based around different countries, so there's like an art exhibit going on, I guess, and maybe these exhibits, these stained glass windows have all been broken, and it's your job to go around to all these exhibits and put them back together. That might be what the story is about. If there's a story, who cares? It doesn't matter. You're just putting puzzles back together. But these 25 countries all have puzzles that have some kind of relation to their respective country, whether it's through the architecture or art from that country or uh, people or um, religion stuff, you know, a, a vast array of things that represent those countries, which is nice. And like I said, the art is beautiful. But going back to one of the nice things about the puzzles is that in every single one, and these puzzles range in difficulty f from having 25-ish pieces to a little over 60. And depending on the size of the puzzle, you'll have anywhere between 4 and 6, I think. Maybe there's a few puzzles that have more than 6, uh, up to 8 potentially. But you'll have a certain number of pieces at the very beginning that you'll know where to place them. You might have to give them two attempts because they might have two spots that they could fit in. But you'll have a few pieces that are glowingish red a little bit. And they'll have little circles on one end of them. And there will be a circle. Well, there will be multiple circles on the puzzle board. And those are for where you can place these initial pieces that help give you a foundation so that you can work off of those. Which is nice. It, it makes the puzzle putting together part of it uh, a little bit more manageable. I also like that if you back out of a puzzle, the progress you've made is saved, which is really nice because it is very easy to accidentally back out because you don't have to go into the menu to back out. You just press the B button uh, on Xbox. It would be whatever, uh, like the circle button on PlayStation and on switch i don't know what it would be would it be the b button instead because they're stupid i don't, I don't like that the a button is where i don't like the, the a buttons on the right side on the switch controller it bothers me um but you just press that button to back out and it's very easy to accidentally do that because it's the same button you use to drop a piece if you pick one up and you're like i i actually don't know where the hell this would go i want to cancel this one and pick up a different piece press it twice boom you're out of the puzzle and if you were halfway through or even more uh through a puzzle and you accidentally did this and had to start over that would be very annoying especially on the longer puzzles which can take over 20 minutes to complete depending on your skill level or whatever um so that's a that's a nice feature um and like i said the the art is fantastic it took me about three and a half hours to finish the whole game. 
you can replay levels if you want to get a faster clear time i guess but i found no desire to do so if you care about achievements or trophies all you have to do is finish the game in order to get a platinum trophy or a thousand gamer score so if you're into that it's great for that i think they even list that as one of the features on playstation and xbox we have a thousand gamer score and a platinum trophy so they somewhat know their audience i guess but it's a it's a solid puzzle game though if you have access to a computer which i'm assuming you do i'm not sure if it's mac uh, compatible or not but it's obviously not the kind of game that would really tax a system so you're whatever pc you're running with uh, right now it should be able to play the game unless you're using a very old pc and like i said it's very cheap right now it would make more sense to pick it up on pc unless you really care about gamer score or if that's just your only avenue to play the game it's it's solid but it could be a little bit better uh, you know what, what makes it really stand out though is the art I, I love the art it, it's beautiful and looking at the finished pieces is lovely but once i finish it i deleted it i'm done i'm good i i had enough fun with the experience i can say this about it it's a game about putting puzzles together i at no point felt like taking a nap which is saying something because there are games that have made me somewhat drowsy and almost maybe fall asleep while playing and you might think that would happen with the puzzle game but that did not which is great okay after that their puzzler of a game I played some uh, Pumped BMX Pro, which is the sequel to Pumped BMX Plus. I believe that was the title of the first game. And I, I hate that title because I don't know if you're like me, but when you see Pumped, you want to you wanna say Up right after. So I keep wanting to say Pumped Up BMX, but it's not Pumped Up BMX. I even double-checked to make sure it wasn't Pumped Up BMX. It's just Pumped BMX Pro this one and this one comes out in a little bit i don't think it's out yet and i played it for about a half hour and i hate it it is a trials-esque game just like the the first one the, the first one lacked polish uh, visually which this one has definitely improved upon i like the look of it it's got nice colorful uh, cartoony visuals that are, are nice I, I think it's a it's a pleasant game to look at but gameplay wise i hate it and i hate it because you're on a bmx you can pedal but you don't pedal in the game you just push off that initial time when you start a level and then it's all about letting go hold like holding this go button or whatever which isn't really a go button but holding it and letting go at the peak of uh, a hill a ramp or what have you in order to get the highest jump and then when you're at like the apex of your jump and you're getting ready to go back down you hold it again to boost and then build up speed for the next jump so that you can uh, hit it and, and pass it and all that what i hate about this is that if you don't hit it just right and say you're almost at the top of a hill and you could go you know downhill and continue that particular level and instead you're going a little bit backwards if you're not going forward 
after a second or so, you just crash. You can't pedal again after you've started a race, which is just so stupid. In real life, you could pedal. You know, you don't have gas like in a motorcycle, but you can pedal. It's possible. They're there. You can use your feet to do though. I'm saying I'm saying in real life you can, not in this game. And that is one of the just most annoying, frustrating design choices I've experienced in quite a while. I, I think it's incredibly stupid. It makes it a very unenjoyable experience. There's also a trick system in it, which is fine, but if you focus too much on tricks, you could end up not hitting a jump right or, or hit being a little bit off with that or coming down from a jump after doing some tricks or, or landing not perfectly in, in line with the incline so that you lose a bit of speed and then you don't hit the next jump and you can't pedal because whatever, it's a dumb reason. So you only need to complete the level really to get your points and every level has a certain number of challenges like do this trick and then do this trick and then do this other trick and get a certain trick score uh, and, and whatnot. But I find because of that lack of pedaling and the, and that it's all about momentum and, and you can't come out of uh, uh, an error or whatever, it just makes it so frustrating that I, I hated playing it. So I don't I don't expect to really go back to it which is disappointing because I, I saw the screenshots and I thought, oh, maybe this will this will be a good one because I I love Trials and Trials has been uh, it, Trials the last Trials game was a bit of a misfire, especially the offshoot one where that had the shooting and everything, which was a disaster. Uh, I'm hoping the new one, whatever its subtitle is, is a return to form, but who knows. Uh, but there was room for a game to not overtake Trials, but just give that Trials-like experience that I don't know if many people want, but at least I want. I, I love those games, you know, Joe Danger, Trials, and I think there were I think there was a moment where there were a lot of Trials-esque iOS mobile uh, clones that were pretty good. Anywho, that is pumped BMX Pro. Not pumped up, just pumped BMX Pro. And the last game I want to talk about is Hellfront Honeymoon, which is a, I, I don't know how to, it's a twin stick shooter slash RTS light, very, very, very light slash tower defense game, I guess. I don't know, it's weird. So you play as a character and you go around and it controls like a twin stick shooter, but then there are these points in a map that you can place either turrets or barracks on turrets will of course shoot enemies that come within a vicinity and barracks will constantly create troops uh, i think squads of four and your goal on every map uh, is to destroy the enemy before they destroy you there's also local versus which i didn't mess around with there's no online play of, of any kind which is a bit disappointing, but there's a decent-sized single-player experience. There are three areas. The first area has 15 maps. The second has 30, and I don't know what the the fourth has because I don't, or I don't know what the third has because I haven't gotten to that, and I don't feel all that compelled to do so. Which I'll get to uh, why uh, 
right now. My my problem with the game is that it doesn't seem like there's any strategy to it whatsoever. It's just about rushing the entire experience and doing anything you can as quickly as you can. I find that in most cases, like 80% of the time, turrets are worthless and pointless, maybe even higher than 80% of the time. I think in the first area, I used turrets once or twice, or, or at least there were levels where I think I really needed to use turrets once or twice. And the way it works is just that I go around rushing, building all these barracks and just building them and building them and building them over these spots. Then I take out one of the enemy placements. And every time you blow up a, a placement or the enemy blows up one of your your towers, your, your, your buildings, bugs emerge, which are neutral. They'll just attack anyone, it seems. And there could be bug sacks in a level as well. Uh, and you just you just rush it and it make it, it it's not that it makes sense it's that the game is designed for this type of quick play because the gold medal for most maps is between 45 seconds and a minute and a half i think and a minute and a half is on the long side there aren't many levels that have that long of a window for the gold medal and it makes it so unenjoyable i had i had no fun because there's no time to think or do anything i'm just rushing the entire experience and i can't i don't have any time to enjoy when the the match is over the 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 level is over i don't feel a sense of accomplishment i just feel somewhat sense of exhaustion from just going crazy on one level and just rushing the hell of it i i don't even feel like i'm able to take in what's happening on screen because i'm just like okay there's an open spot build something there i'll build something there okay now i'm gonna go here and because it happens so quickly you know in the span of a minute or two minutes or less it's just like okay it happened you start it and then it's over before you have a time to even breathe so i i i don't i don't i don't find that type of play enjoyable I, I want more room to breathe and i also found that at least in the first area and the first few levels of the second area it's incredibly easy i there was no challenge to it either it wasn't like I, I was being challenged and i found it to be difficult outside of one level where it was the one i remember having to use turrets where they had more than one enemy coming at me there were th it was a it was a three versus uh, two different ai teams that were both against they weren't teaming up against me they they fight against each other too but uh i, I just i was pretty disappointed because i love twin six shooters i love tower defense games rts games i'm indifferent about and then like the rts aspect of it is very very light it's just the fact that you have barracks and you can send them around order them around so you just look in a direction and then you say hey go over there and then they'll go over there you know and then the tower placement of course is like tower defense and then the controlling the dude is a twin six shooter i think there's potential here but it just in the way it's set up and the emphasis on going through it as quickly as possible makes it so that 
you're not really thinking about what you're doing. You're just doing it. And that isn't fun for me, at least. So that was a bit of a disappointment. That's pretty much all I've played. And now I'll get to what I've watched and call this a night because I'm recording this pretty late. You know how many times I've recorded this podcast? Over and over and over again because I have not felt great about it. But I also do not feel great about this one movie I watched called Hereditary. Everyone loved Hereditary. At least most people love Hereditary. I finally watched Hereditary and I thought it was a steaming pile of crap. I thought it was unintentionally funny way too often and... After finishing it and seeing the way it all wrapped up, I thought it was so fucking stupid. I think it is an incredibly stupid movie, and I don't get why so many people love it. But at the same time, I'm not someone who thinks The Exorcist is a great movie. I've never finished The Exorcist either. Uh, I at least finished Hereditary. So having it be compared to The Exorcist as this generation's The Exorcist or whatever, I guess that kind of would work maybe i don't know it does a good job with mood and atmosphere in the beginning but then i think it just goes it goes off the rails and fucking turns into a dumb shit show at with just the last i don't know five ten minutes is just ridiculous nonsense and i hated it so much i think if you want something that is super creepy and does a fantastic job with mood and atmosphere and is just very like another thing about right here it's not scary it's never scary i'm a baby i'm not great with horror not, at no point during hereditary was i ever scared did i ever jump or anything it, it didn't the the only part that was not so much scary but just a little bit creepy was the beginning with the the daughter because the daughter was fucking creepy she's a weird looking little thing i don't i do not like her but if you want something that is truly scary and uh off-putting and disturbing and doesn't have really either the one knock against it would be that it doesn't really have much of a plot or anything there's like when you when you step back and look at it you're like what the hell is the point of this you don't need the point the point is this shit is fucking weird and creepy and scary and unsettling and it's making me uncomfortable and i don't like this and this kid is the creepiest thing I've ever seen. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Babadook. The Babadook is fantastic. I love the Babadook. And that kid is fucking the worst. I hate that kid. If I had that kid, I would do what happened to the, the daughter in Hereditary. Except I would do it on purpose. <laughs> but I, yeah, I love the Babadook. Hereditary, I, I, I do not like at all. Uh, which is disappointing also spoilers when gabriel Byrne, whatever his name is exactly when he gets lit up on fire that was pretty funny because the the i don't know if they had like a plastic model of him or something it just looked weird the thing the thing that looked like him that lit up on fire looked weird and i could not not think it looked ridiculous and laugh at it but other than that i watched the the Rolling Stone documentary Gimme Shelter, which is about this show, this concert they put on in San Francisco at some uh, track, some uh, speedway with a few other um, musicians and, and whatnot. 
And what's interesting about this is that, and this is something I didn't know about, but at this concert, there were four deaths. And part of the, the footage uh, where they were filming this for some other documentaries or thing, or just like, oh, here's a, a, a video of their, a movie of their concert, their tour or whatever. One of the deaths is actually captured on video. And it's it's crazy seeing that. And they take time to also zoom in and just show you like frame by frame what is happening and, and seeing the reaction and hearing the reaction of the stones as they're seeing this footage played back to them. It's it's a bit unsettling to see that. You know, it's to see an actual murder happen. Um and it's also a nice snapshot of that time and that type of fandom that I don't think exists anymore where people just almost had seizure-esque uh, breakdowns over bands or whatever where they just freak out and lose control and just go out of their minds and, and the drug use and all that stuff that makes them even crazier and stuff. It's just, it's, a very interesting doc whenever they're not showing the Stones play because the Stones are an okay band, I guess. I only love Paint It Black. I don't really care about any of their other music, uh, at least the, the ones I've heard. And they're not a great live band. Jagger does not have a great voice, and he does not sound great live, and he just is going around jumping and jiving. Uh, there is a Tina Turner performance that is very sexual, that was unexpectedly sexual, but uh, I don't know why I felt like mentioning it. It was just, I was not expecting that. Uh, but it, it's a very good doc that I would recommend checking out if you're interested in that kind of stuff. You know, you don't have to care about the stones. I don't, like I said, I don't care about the stones, but I found the, the doc, the majority of it, where we're not watching the stones play to be pretty interesting. And, and this is where, the the stones hired for security it was like a last it wasn't i don't think it was last minute uh decision at this concert but there was a last minute change of venues and just you know it wasn't that well thought out so they got the hell's uh not hell's kitchen what is it what is the name of them the hell's not the hell's bells the hell's you know the the biker gang the hell's biker gang they got them to do Hell's Angels. They got them to do the security. And apparently they had them before, previously, I guess, at, at a British venue. I guess they're British Hell's Angels or something. And they didn't know that the American branch was super violent and more hostile. And they ended up killing that guy. But that guy also pulled out a gun, so you could justify it if you want. But it's still... It's, it's just... It's a... It's something to see that you probably won't forget. Um, and in addition to that person who was killed by one of the Hell's Angels uh, folk, three other people died. Two were in sleeping bags and were run over. And then another one drowned in a puddle. And there were a few births there, I guess. It's just, it's just, it's a fascinating doc. And I, I like I said, I, I recommend checking it out. I also watched Valley Girl with Nick Cage and a, a cast of other people I don't know. I think I might know who played Tommy. 
but I don't really know. And it is an 80s teen romantic comedy that takes place in California. Uh, and it's it's fine. It's not really that great, but it's not terrible either. It's just forget it. It's a forgettable movie. You could watch it and then in a month forget almost everything that happened in it. Uh, I guess it's notable for being the first movie where Nick Cage went by the name of Nick Cage as opposed to Coppola, which is some interesting facts. And then I think I watched one other thing. I watched, I think it's called Sullivan's Travels, which is from, God, I want to say Howard Hawks, but that's not right. Howard Hawks did like the the Marilyn Monroe stuff. Who did Sullivan's Travels? I don't know. But Sullivan's Travels, very good. I really enjoyed it. It got super dark in the last 15 or so minutes, but it was really good. Same person, I believe, who did the Palm Beach story, which I was underwhelmed by. But, uh, yeah. I don't need to go too into detail about all that. Anywho, that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. The site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the video versions of this here show or Attack the Backlog, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com and check it all out over there. If you see something you like, click the link and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and everything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that away. And as always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day and an absolutely lovely weekend. Bye! Bye!